What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend Matt Hess. And you're listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. Now, this podcast isn't just for church planters. It's for anyone who loves church planting and wants to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, buddy. How you doing, man? Doing all right, man. That's good. Wrestling through this ice storm we got yesterday. Yeah, it's ice apocalypse. Ice apocalypse. You know, it's funny because like most places, uh, or at least most of the people I know who live in the U.S. and the South, yeah. if it snows or something, like literally everything shuts down. Yeah. Here, snow is normal, but it's ice that seems to shut things down. Yeah. Like, nobody was out and about yesterday. It was it's true. a ghost we, town. We first moved here, uh, we got a big ice storm like in tw- the I think the winter of 2013, maybe 2014, we got a huge ice storm and it like knocked down power lines and everything. Mm-hmm. And that you're right. It's like the ice is what keeps people out. Yep. Well, my driveway is like a skating rink right now. It is, man. I had to like walk careful. You know, it's funny to watch is like, so it's people it's, falling it's, on the ice. No, but what's funny is that like, so when I take my dog out, you know, usually he'll sprint, you know, sprint yeah. to the backyard. So it's pretty funny to watch the dog try to sprint in yeah. the backyard because he goes slipping and sliding all over the place. So speaking of backyards, Sunday, what well, was Saturday afternoon? Uh, I'm I'm in the bath getting out, and I hear Erica. She's like, "What? What?" He's like screaming, and I'm like, "Oh no!" And um, so apparently this was on Saturday, and you know we got that crazy cold spell yeah. last week, super freezing. And um, didn't get above freezing for like four days, five days. And uh, apparently Isaac wanted to build an ice skating rink in the backyard. Mm. And so he made like some snow like barriers on our patio, on our concrete patio, and then turned on the water <laughs> on Thursday and tried to fill it up and left the water on. Oh, no. And then it froze. It all Everything, you know, it froze up. The lines and everything froze up. And then Saturday, when it started to defrost, we heard this, <laughs> like the water's just pouring in the backyard. Oh my gosh. So mom was like, who turned on the water, you know? Yeah. And Isaac's like, I was trying to make a nice skating rink for us. <laughs> We're just like, oh, man. <laughs> There's this line in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, <laughs> what's the dude's name that play, plays in It's a Wonderful Life? I don't remember, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All our listeners are like, what you don't know that guy's name what's his name man anyways this it's this it's the part when he walks in and um he's like all his kids are playing the piano one of his kids playing piano one of his kids running around with this santa claus face one of them's sick and he's like why we gotta have all these kids (laughs) it's like in moments like that you're like why we gotta have all these kids man but no they're a blessing except when they leave the water on for like four days yeah yeah that's, that reminds me of a time I left the water on at my parents' house. Anyways, let's move on. I'm not going to talk about that story. I think it's happened like every, to almost everybody. To almost everybody? Jim, Jim, uh, James Stewart. Isn't uh, that his name? I don't know. James I've never Stewart. seen that movie, dude. What? Yeah. I want a, I want a, I want a big one. <laughs> you wouldn't know that line. No, I can't believe you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, man. I know. There's a lot of... Those like <sighs> famous classic movies that I've never seen because oh, I'm not Lord. a big oh lord I'm not a big movie person yeah personally I don't know I'm just we don't like watch that. a ton of movies now except for kids movies and family movies I just stuff, I like but. to pray and read my Bible all day <laughs> yeah I bet you do <laughs> yeah we got a Quaker over here <laughs> Pur- I just, Puritan I just like to read the classics Puritan not a Quaker 
just finished reading The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter for like the 80th time. Did you, you really? No, I said you did. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> wow, because that's funny because I was just about to This is a great book. It. You never no, read it? I did. Huh? Yeah, once. And okay. But I did just finish reading a book about the Puritans by J.I. Packer, which is up there. And it's wow. Really good. So what's it? Uh, Can't, oh, go wrong. Uh, Can't go wrong with Packer. Oh, yeah. A Quest for Godliness by J.I. Packer. Nice. And it's basically all about Puritans. It was really good. Cool. What are we Anyways, talking about yeah, today? Yeah, we're not talking about Puritans today. Or pawn or f- pawns. Or, was, or, or ice skating rinks ice skating in our backyards. Rinks. Yeah. No, Jimmy we're not Stewart. talking about that. We are talking about what to do when your church is losing momentum. Churches don't lose momentum. They okay. just die. <laughs> wow. You're a little morbid today. Yeah, like. I'm, you know, bring, I'm, bringing, kinda, I'm bringing the passion this morning. Yeah, you are. You're really fired up. My coffee there. hasn't kicked in Yeah, yet. for listeners, for, for those of you who, you know, are not aware, sometimes Matt will come in and he just doesn't bring the fire. He doesn't bring the heat. So I today's don't. one of those days where I, Matt's just kind of like, I would bring, rather be in bed. I bring the depression. Yeah. In yes. the bed. So don't worry, everybody. I will carry the show today. Jared's going to carry worry. this episode. I'm going to carry it. Churches. What do we do when they lose momentum? Okay, just stop. Is that, so is that church it? plants, church plants, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, can lose momentum, uh, yeah. especially in the early days. Not, not every single church plant goes through this, but I think that the majority of them do. And so if you're listening and your church never lost momentum and you're running a thousand people, then you can move on to the next episode, I guess. And this yeah. doesn't apply to you, but I think that for most of us, uh, you know, there, there comes a point when, uh, we, after the initial s- excitement wears off, um, we kind of hit this, this valley, uh, after the church has been planted. Um, and I, and that, and this, we can kind of get into valleys, so to speak, multiple times. It's not just a one-time thing. It could yeah. happen in the life of an established church where, sure. you know, um, you know, they're seeing lots of salvations and baptisms for a while. And then for whatever reason, kind of enter into the spiritual lull. I mean, I'm, we're, uh, we're going through first Samuel right now, yeah. uh, in our sermon series and, you know, just seeing, you know, being reminded how even in, in Israel, in the life of Israel and their history, there were, there were valleys and there were peaks spiritually yeah. for them as well. Um, so I, I think I've told this story before, uh, but I re- remember my welcome to church planting moment and my welcome to church planting moment really happened in. Uh, the second week after we had launched, um, we had our launch service and there was like 110 people there. And the next Sunday we showed up, you know, until you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're yeah. like, wow, you know, like, all right. And we're, here we go. We got momentum. And, and the next week I, you know, get up to preach and I'm looking out at 19 faces looking. Oh, back wow. At me. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it was. So that was a, that was a, a shocker for me. It was something yeah. that I was not expecting. Uh, and you know, that was kind of my welcome to church planning moment. Uh, but I usually, I think it usually kind of takes place in between the six to six month to two year mark. Yeah. Um, is when, um, I don't know, you just kind of, uh, the initial excitement wears off. Um, and I think that can be tricky by the way, for, especially for apostolic types who, mm. who love the excitement of, of new things. And once the excitement wears off, mm-hmm. uh, that can be tough to handle. Uh, you know, you, you may decline in attendance, you know, some of the people who were first excited about your church plant, you know, and they come for, you know, a few months and then all of a sudden they just disappear. Uh, some of your core team is going to inevitably move on. Like no matter what, 
you know, that's just a given that that's going to happen. Uh, new disciples that, you, that you've reached, some of them are going to fall away. Uh, you may lose partners and funding, like all, all, ki- all, time, all kinds of things can happen. Those 19 people won't tithe. That too. Yeah. Yeah. So you begin to feel pressure, uh, I think. So Matt, my question for you is why do you think that this happens so frequently? Well, I mean, we all have, you know, I even talked to a a guy this past week. I I think we all have these expectations, you know, we're going to roll the red carpet out and we're going to launch a church and it's going to grow from, if we had a hundred, you know, uh, 10 people there at our launch, it's going to be two ten the next month and four ten and six ten, And we're going to get to that mega church mark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just gonna, you know, we just think that church that, of 700. Yeah. We just think that <laughs> before you can multiply, we just think that, that that's the model. And we, we've been, we've been trained that if you do all the right things, all the right ways, then you're going to be a big church. And that's just not always true what <laughs> i know there's somebody out there listening to this and they they went to the podcast you know and they're like man this is great i'm gonna get some real practical advice we're and we're just here to tell you your church isn't gonna be very big <laughs> just, just, we're just here to tell you how much it sucks planning churches no, yeah but no, like like i think the scenario you shared you know the the, the 110 to 19 it's like we've heard that story so many times mm-hmm. you know so many not that story from you personally you know what i'm saying like uh just from across the board so many planners you know yep. you, you have this big number your your grand opening your launch whatever and everybody's excited and then it dwindles down mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it is expectations what we what we've talked about before but i i think this idea that we're going to be this and i think also the more i think also you know in our scenario both of our scenarios you're coming from excuse me the bible belt and you're coming from larger churches and you got this expectation that you're supposed to plant a church and you're going to go there and it's going to get big and mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, people's going to know you and you're going to get a name and you're going to be this preacher. And you're, man, people's going to look to you for advice and da, 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 da. And then when that doesn't happen, you lose focus of the mission. Mm-hmm. You lose focus that it wasn't really ever about that stuff in the first place. Yep. And then you start to tweak things and try to fix things. And you go into that mode of trying to get your church mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. out of that valley or whatever. And you lose sight of what God's really asked and called you to do. Yeah. I definitely, and we'll, and we'll talk just a second about, you know, I think some of the mistakes that you can make when you start to feel that pinch and feel that pressure. Um, but, uh, I definitely think that like, I remember, uh, when I came up and I, I think I've shared this before too, but, uh, when we came up here to Canada, I came from the Bible belt and I think that that's where some of the, uh, ex, you know, mismanaged expectations come in, mm-hmm. especially if you're planting a church cross-culturally yeah. is that you will, I, I just think it's almost, um, it's very difficult to avoid, um, trying to place, um, expectations on that experience that are formed by your previous experiences. Absolutely. Uh, you're going to kind of just assume that, well, things will work out the way that I've seen them work out in the past. And, you know, in the South, you put up a welcome sign and you can get a hundred people, you know, yeah. to your church fairly, you know, fairly easily. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to plant a church in the South. Don't get me wrong. Sorry, church planters in the South. I'm not. Yeah, of course you know, we're not saying not, that. It's not easy, but. It's not easy anywhere. 
but uh, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, church attendance is just way lower yeah. percentage wise in places like this. And so, you know, I remember, you know, coming up here and thinking, uh, naively that, well, you know, these people have never heard the gospel before and, you know, everybody in the South seems, you know, apathetic, you know, the gospel's old hat. Oh, I've heard that before. And when, you know, when I go up and I start preaching the gospel boldly, you know, as soon as people start hearing the gospel preached boldly, man, people are going to start, you know, repenting (laughs) of sin and flocking to the church. And he, you know, like uh, there's part of it that's, that I think was rooted in faith. Like I had, you know, faith in God, you know, and, and, and I believed God could do big things and I still do. But I also kind of just assumed that this is how it was going to look. Yeah. And I think I was being a little bit naive. And because of those expectations, yeah. I was in for a rude awakening. I think every church planner has a kind of has a dangerous concoction of faith, pride, and uh, and 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 false expectations. And they're just kind of all mixed together. And they and you know we don't know how to discern between what one is and what one isn't. And so it's one thing to have faith that God wants to answer prayer, that God wants to save people, that God wants to help us make disciples and make disciples, all those kinds of things. It's another thing to think that 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 success can only look this way. Success can only look like if we have X amount of people in a room on a Sunday, you know, success can only look like if we started this many churches by this time. And the, the fact of the matter is, is we're not really in charge of all that, you know? And so faithfulness is just doing the things that God's called us to do over and over and over again until he calls us home. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what church planning is all about. And now we can't, when we, when we're refusing to do the things that just are good things to do, like guest follow up, uh, m- healthy retention practices, all those kinds of things. When we're just not doing those things and then we blame it on the soil, then that, obviously that's problematic. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that you need to, you know, you don't want to like, um, you know, like blame it, the, you know, the soil or, you know, like whatever, or, you know, if you're not doing follow up with guests, don't blame the hard soil for the fact that people aren't sticking around or, you know, if you're not doing a good job of partner development, then don't blame, you know, spiritual warfare when you lose half your partners. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, yes, manage expectations, but also, you know, make sure that you're doing your, your due diligence and doing your part. Absolutely. So Matt, have you experienced this at all during your time as a church planter? Like, uh, I kind of have shared a little bit from my personal experience because, and I, and I think this, this episode topic is, is, uh, important to me because I, I really learned this lesson the hard way Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Um, what about you, man? Like maybe from your personal experience or from guys that you've coached? Yeah, I mean, yes, and both and. I mean, I, I've I've hearing it now from guys that that I work with and have a privilege to serve. And uh, but but I I think on from from a personal perspective, you know, you, you the thing like we we we've we've seen whatever you want to call it success. Like we've seen packed gyms and all that kind of stuff. And we've seen really low numbers and, you know, we've seen the typical like church plant journey kind of thing. Um, I think for me, the, I, I always, you know, the church, we start fellowship Pickering. I always thought, man, you know, we're, we're just going to become a big church. Like, it's just, I didn't even think about it. I just, I just thought like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to faithfully do the right things over and over and over again. And, we're going to grow to this size or whatever. 
And I've just realized like that, that might still be in God's plans. Um, but it's, you know, what giftings are for the leader, all those kinds of things. And really what God's done with our story is, you know, we're a multiplying church. That's what we do. You know, we get to an X amount of number, then we start a new church and we kind of, we kind of dip back down and we kind of build back up. And I think that part, like nobody really ever taught me. So to answer your question, like the, the, the momentum part, it, it feels, it feels like you're starting over a little bit every single time you start a new one. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, but then you wake up and you say like, yeah, there's fewer people, yep. but then you get to a certain one and you, you say, yeah, there's fewer people, but we're doing the mission of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? God brings new people. He builds it back up. Yep. And so that's kind of what our MO has been. It's kind of what we've done. But yeah, I, I, I think, you know, um, I, I worked with a guy one time who's having ha- had some really tough, tough issues. Uh, he had a worship leader that went but he planted a church in a really tough place, was getting some momentum, doing some really good things, had a worship leader that went off the rails. And um, it's always like worship leaders and youth pastors. Um, That's why you should never hire a youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> All the youth pastors out there thinking about certain church planning are like, what? Um, yeah. I mean, and he, this guy went off the rails and took like 40% of his church with him and mm. You know, just a really bad situation. And I mean, like this guy's having a tough time, like Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. And people who are listening to this, like, you know, when when we say things like, yeah, we're not as big as we once were because we're planting churches. They're like, that might be a valley, but it's not like the valley I'm in. Like my worship leader just is sleeping around and just took like half the church with them. Like that's a valley. Yeah. That's not a healthy valley. No. And so I think that, you know, um, there's a spiritual aspect to this stuff too as well. Yeah. You know, and Satan is prowling like a lion and wanting to devour us. Yeah. What? So whenever we get to this place where, you know, our church starts to lose momentum or at least that's what we're perceiving, you know, maybe, you know, attendance is dipping or, you know, people are falling away or whatever. Um, I think that this is a that's a vulnerable time for church mm-hmm. plants, and it's a vulnerable time for church planters, and it's probably when uh, you are most in danger of making a mistake. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the mistakes that you see planters make that we should watch out for and avoid in these situations? Well, n- number one is spiritual drift. Okay. Number one is spiritual drift. Guys, stop praying. They stop reading their word. They stop taking God at his promises. Why Why? Why is that? Well, because they think that, well, if God really loved me, then my church would be more successful. Mm-hmm. And we've, you know, at, at this side of the mouth, you know, we're, we're bashing the prosperity movement, which we should because it's heresy. But then on, on, out of, out of this side, we say, well, like, man, God loves me. He should, he should bless me. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we do this as church planners, but he loved Job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he loved all kinds of people that he took through valleys yeah. to teach them. So I, I, number one, I would say the, the, the big thing I see is spiritual drift. Nobody gets to affairs overnight. No, no, no church leader gets to, you know, uh, sleeping with staff overnight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff happens over mm-hmm. time, typically. Unless somebody's got some serial issues that right. haven't been addressed in years or whatever. Right. So number one, I would say spiritual drift. Number two is the grass is greener on the other side. Hmm. And they start saying, oh, I'm not called to this. 
Hmm. Um, or, you know, I, I am called to this, but I don't want to do it no more. Yeah. Um, and they, they start to look for something, uh, another opportunity. And they, they, they jump online and see what else is out there. Now, there's a time and season to do that, obviously. God calls us away and stops and starts ministries all the time with his people. Um, but, but I see those two things. And then I, w- I would add another one that we just start to try to fix it ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we're going to probably get into that part, but yep. man, I, you know, we just, we start throwing the kitchen sink at everything. Like we start going to seminars, we start reading books, we start, we got to tweak this, we got to tweak that, we got to do this different, mm-hmm. we got to do that different. And we, throw out the game plan. We throw out the vision that we should have prayed for and asked God for in the first place. If, and if we did that, then that's what God's given us. Mm-hmm. Then we should run that play yep. and um, have flexibility how we run that play, but we should run that play because that's God's plan for your church. But you know, we get nervous because it's not happening or here's even worse when a friend that we went to seminary with, it is happening for. Mm-hmm. And so bitterness starts to come into our heart. Yep man, that guy's successful and nobody knows me, yep. you know? And so we start to get down and all this kind of stuff. And we, so we start, we get on the phone and we start taking counsel from this cat and that cat and this dude and that guy. And like everybody, we listen to everybody. Mm-hmm. And we essentially prostitute ourselves out to get all this church planning advice. And then God bless the core team. Because then we go out and we regurgitate all of this church plan information that we've heard from this dude over here who's got an attractional model, this guy over here who's got a house church model. And we are we are like uh, vision-casting schizophrenics. <laughs> and so we go, into, it's a good we, we go into our core team meetings yeah. and we're like, we should do this, we should do that, we should do this. And, you know, the, the, the poor accountant over here that, that is working 10-hour days trying to support his family, his head is spinning He's in chronic depression and we don't even know about it because we're so consumed with our own little world. Mm-hmm. We've lost at that moment, we've lost oversight of how mm-hmm. the kingdom works yep. and we think it's just about us. Yep. And then a year from there, there's, there's no real church mm-hmm. because we've stopped just banging the drum, being consistent, preaching the gospel, sharing the, sharing the gospel, making disciples. We, we bind to this lie that there's something that can fix it. Mm-hmm. If we just do this, we just, I believe in excellence, man. Yeah. Like we've talked about that on this podcast so many times. I don't think your worship should suck. I don't. I think you should do it the best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. If, if, if all you got is a, is a, is a worship leader who can, uh, you know, is not that great, but man, they love the Lord, man, help him or her be the best they can mm-hmm. and, and run with that. You know, if you got a full blown band and all that, do it, you know, whatever, be excellent in what you do. But understand that at the end of the day, you're not going to, you're not going to fix that valley with some kind of gimmick. Yep. It's just not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you have to get down and you have to do the dirty work. You got to spend time in prayer. You gotta, you gotta pray yourself out of that funk sometimes that you're in, mm-hmm. and you gotta, be, you gotta operate and work not off your feelings but off of the truth of the word of God. Yep. Now that's, that's what I, I know it's a lot, but no, that's man. That's some great stuff right there. I think you, you know, said a lot of things that, uh, that are very true. Uh, a lot of them that, that kind of ring true. Like, as I just think about my, 
you know, some of the mistakes that I've made in the past and my experiences, like I think, man, I wish I would have heard that, you know, several years ago, like several of the things that you just said. And it's not that I didn't know those things and that they're, and you may have even said one of those things to me (laughs) at some point, but I just wasn't in a position to receive it at the time. But yeah, you know, I, I I think what it comes down to, like one of the, one of the root, uh, uh, causes, uh, of, of, those mistakes that we make is, you know, that we're keeping score the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, uh, Brad Briscoe actually has an entire chapter in his book, his ebook, which is free called rethink yeah. uh, where he talks about that. He talks about how we've got to change the way that we're keeping score in church planting, yeah. right? Like we want to keep score by, you know, looking at attendance and things like that. And, and like we, we get away from thinking with a kingdom, of God mindset. We stop walking by faith. We start walking by sight. And that's what puts this pressure on us to feel like I've got to do something. I've got to fix it. And type A entrepreneurial men are so vulnerable to this stuff, to to feeling like I've got to come in and fix things and be the savior, but you're not the savior. Yeah. Jesus is the savior. Right. You can't fix it. Yeah. You know, there's, and in fact, a lot of times we're trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, man, that it's, it's so difficult when we have been in this paradigm forever in North America yeah. that this is what a healthy, successful church should look like. And yeah. we, we, I even like, you even see yeah. like, well, God's really blessing that church. Well, how do you know? Yeah. Because they got because they got four hundred people going. Yeah, like who says? Yeah, I, I you know you know man I we we equate success strictly with numbers, mm-hmm. you know, with financial giving, with um attendance, and man, here's the thing: like we did not, you know, we're gonna talk with um you talked about Brad, you know, we're gonna interview Brad next week, but actually, I think we might have interviewed Brad last week. Oh, we interviewed Brad last week. <laughs> awesome. For our listeners that don't know, we record two episodes at a yeah. time. And I think that we're gonna air Brad Briscoe's episode first. So, <laughs> oh, great! But well, we're but we're actually in real life. We're, we're in gonna real talk life. to him in about thirty minutes. In about thirty minutes. <laughs> see see what happens when I try to be professional. So you, we if man, we, we we time travel. Welcome to the time warp. Yes, you guys. If if everybody's their or, heads are spinning right now. Everybody in the world's Whoa. trying to figure out where time travel is. It's in South Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Right here, right in, in the trenches. Right in. Come the get trenches. in the trenches. Come with get us. in the trenches you with us. You can time travel. Sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I think that there's going to be, oh yeah, we're going to talk with Brad in just a little bit about, <laughs> about this whole APES model because it's so good and his work that he's doing is so good. And, um, but man, I just, we didn't get in this boat. We didn't get in this mess like overnight and we're not going to get out of it overnight. Mm. And, um, it's going to take time. It's going to take prophetic voices like Jeff Christopherson, like Brad, it's going to take some guys and gals who are saying these things over and over and over again. And it's going to take some, it's going to take some spiritual maturation Mm -hmm. for planners to understand. And this is, I I actually think this is what's going to fix it. I think when we plant more co-vocational teams, when we plant more co-vocational teams where guys and gals are on that team and we go away from like the cult of personality and like when maybe a guy who's like a pastor of vision and teaching, like he's teaching like 50% of the time, 40% of the time, whatever it might be. Yep. And he's on a team and he's like a banker mm-hmm. or a real estate agent 
Mm-hmm. And like, he doesn't care if Nam puts him on a magazine because he doesn't, he's not after that. Mm. Like he's, 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 a. Uh, He's just trying to sell homes, love his family, yeah. and serve the Lord. Yeah. And in his local context, mm-hmm. he doesn't. He doesn't even need yeah. some mega church in the South to say, "Dude, how many you're running? Like, we really want to get behind you." Mm. And like, and and you know, th- that's how we're going to get out of this. Yeah. We're, we're going to get out of it with raising up more local indigenous leaders who are already trained in a profession, who are called to ministry. Um, Steve Solisi is a great example, man, mm-hmm. what he's doing down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, got p- people like that yeah. who are saying like, no, this is my race. I'm going to run it. So for the what people probably don't know who Steve Solisi is, but he's a, he's a financial, which is to my point, right? But he's a financial planner in South Florida and he pastors one of the, uh, uh campus plants of family church, uh, down there in South Florida, but he's a full-time CFP, which is what my dad does. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Cause yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's not in it for, you know, he doesn't care if anybody knows who he is or anything. Yeah, because <laughs> Steve makes good money. And so even if whatever they pay him, they're not going to be able to pay him about. So, no, I mean, like, I don't so that, but, but that's not even the point. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, guys are not, guys that are, guys that are going to be raised up from the harvest, connected with the local church equipped, gifted, you know, and sent out to start churches. Like that's the answer, man. And that's, what's going to fix some of this stuff because, you know, I think, I think, I mean, it's like the first time, you know, you're, you're, you're a huge Astros fan. Yes, I am. So like the first time you went to an Astros game, Mm -hmm. right. You were probably like, well, you're not old enough to remember to go to the Astrodome. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Did you go to the Astrodome? Okay. Oh yeah, man. So like the Astrodome, man. Mm-hmm. What what they used to call it? The seventh wonder of the world, or eighth. the eighth. eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. And so like, you know, the first time you walked into that place you, as a little kid, you're probably like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody remembers their first like m- professional sport experience. You know, where, wherever you wherever you went to, whatever you did. And if it's not, you're not into professional sports. You're into opera. You remember the first time you went to like your professional opera house. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. You never forgot that experience. Yeah. We lose that wonder as leaders. No. Like the 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 how we started this episode, we come in with presuppositions, especially if we come from bigger churches. Oh man, like when we've been taught since we were kids that when the Shekinah glory falls, it means thousands of people are involved. Mm-hmm. And so these people that we train and we develop, they come from the harvest. They haven't been brought up in that culture. When when they walk into a room and, you know, maybe we're going away from like trying to like build out a gym, you know, where mm-hmm. you got, when they walk into a room and like there's 20 people there who are ready to and hungry to, to hear the word of God and, and they want to learn like that, that encourages them, that enthuses yeah. them. So like, whereas you and I would get bummed out because the week before there's a hundred ten or whatever, they just say, "Awesome, man! Yeah. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it." Yeah. And they teach the word and they do ministry and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the answer. Yeah, I really do. I think that's the answer to 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 some of the stuff. Um, I don't mean to take us off track here, but how old do you think I am? You realize that the Astrodome, uh, that the Astros played there and through like the year two thousand and one. You think I'm like? Oh, 19? I you think I'm nineteen. I didn't real. <laughs> I didn't realize that. 
I didn't realize that they were. I didn't yeah, realize that they so played until like, 2001. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the Enron. Well, it was Enron Field that. Uh, wow. And now it's Minute Maid Park. Was opened in like 2002 ish. Wow. Like yeah. I could literally care less. I know, I'm, 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 but I'm just. I thought it was funny when you were like, "Are you old enough to remember the Astrodome?" I was like, "How old do you, do you think I'm a teenager?" Well, you know, I think, <laughs> I think of the Astrodome. I think of like the '70s, you know, and like the the the, yeah, the really yeah. terrible Astros well, back, uniforms. Well, back back then, that's Nolan when Ryan it was throwing that's, the heat. Well, that's when it was known as the eighth wonder of the world. I think by the by the '90s, nobody considered it the. I think people were like, "When are we going to tear this dump down?" The in inf- the '90s, zeroth wonder <laughs> yeah. of the world. Yeah. Um, no, Matt, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on, man. Like, you know, people talk about, you know, like several years ago, we talked about the the housing bubble, right. And how the housing yeah. bubble is going to burst. I really do think that there's kind of like, I'm waiting for this bubble to burst. Uh, the, the bubble of, uh, commercialized church, mm. uh, the bubble of trying to manufacture, uh, what only the spirit of God can do. And I, there have been, um, there have been men and women who've been, uh, I think, prophetically speaking into this now for decades, but there's just not very many of them and nobody's really been listening. You know, I think about uh, guys like Martin Lloyd-Jones and really like Tozer, A.W. Tozer, uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Yeah. I mean, there's these are people who they've they saw this decades ago, and I think that they you know, uh, could foresee, you know, the direction that we were going yeah. and, and a lot of this, you know, consumerism and, uh, stuff was already, uh, present back then. And, you know, they were recognizing that the, that, you know, Ichabod in a lot of ways was written across the doors of the church and that we were trying to make up for it and manufacture the absence of the spirit of God in our churches yeah. by, you know, by, you know, whatever month throwing money at it, you know, trying different strategies, trying to use excitement and hype and, you know, what lights and noise and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the, the further we go down this, you know, this road of, you know, postmodernism, pluralism and in, in uh, North America and the West, we're going to have to, we're going to be forced. Our hands going to be forced with how we re- see all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, even how we do church in a certain way, I, I think is gonna, it's going to change or have to change or, or how we, how we operate. I, I, you know, I, I talk with churches all the time, like their, their world is shifting all around them. Mm-hmm. And this is primarily in the Southern States and the Midwest as well, but their world is shifting. It's changing, man. Mm-hmm. And like, some of them are like, <laughs> it's not as easy anymore. Nope. You know, like, how do we reach that guy? And like, we've been here six years. The, the things, even the six years that we've, that we've been here, the states has dramatically changed in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. Yep. And so people are asking the question, like, how do we reach our neighbors? How do they get in the doors? Like, you know, how does all that, that, that work? Mm-hmm. And, this, and the tricks we used to use in the 90s or even the early 2000s, they don't work anymore. Yep. And even for these established churches in, in the established Bible Belt. So we have to rethink some of these things. That's right. So we, <laughs> we kind of... Have gotten a little bit off track of we what, have. To, what to do when your That's church okay. is losing momentum, but I, I still think it's important yeah, stuff. I think that it's we're all connected, about. though. Yeah, it's definitely connected. So, for a planter who is right now in the midst of this, and they're you know they're presiding over a church that's losing momentum, or at least that's how they feel. What can you do if your church is losing momentum to get it back? Man, I, I always go back to, I think I think it's so important the the way you start your church. Mm-hmm. 
like the 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 DNA and that you infuse into your church is so valuable. It's like with your family. You know, when you start having kids, like what are you going to prioritize? What do you what are you gonna make important? I had a meeting uh um recently with a with the leader and um you know he he's just talking about his kids are older. He's just talking about how he wishes that he would have stayed on the family worship daily track and he just they got away from it at some point in time and they can't get it back man because like now it's not a part of their culture it's not part of their dna and i think in the very beginning you gotta you you better really make sure what you're valuing as a church plant yeah and you say well how does that answer your question because it's going to hit the fan like it's going to happen your church will be attacked satan doesn't like it Mm -hmm. you know we're on the front lines we're taking you know, territory from the enemy to the kingdom. And the devil hates that. Mm-hmm. Bible tells us that. And so, you know, the things that are, are important, like prayer, fasting, you know, uh, what um, being in the harvest, making disciples, focusing on those things, prioritizing those things. If those things don't come up in your core team meetings, if they don't come up in coffees, if they don't come up in staff meetings, if all you're ever doing is talking about plans and events and things that, you know, are important to the life of your church, but you never pray or you never, you never call your people to pray. You never call your people to fast. I mean, like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? And so I think that when those things, when you are losing momentum, go back to that. What, what did God give you? What what was that vision, man? Mm -hmm. And, and Hey, listen, we've all been guilty of this. Maybe you go back to it and you say, man, this wasn't from the Lord. This was from me. This is, okay. And so now that dream's dead. Like, take it out in your backyard, shoot it if you're in the States, burn it if you're in Canada. And are you allowed to do that in Canada? I have no idea. I burned, we we do uh, pit fires in our backyard. I think you can do it in Whippy. Okay. If, if you can't, don't tell me. I want to keep doing it without, <laughs> with a clear conscience. But, um, but you know, maybe you go back to that and you say, wow, this, this wasn't from the Lord at all. I, I'm looking at this now, like, okay, we're going to be running this amount by six months. And, you know, and that was great, but like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Or we thought we were going to have this, whatever, it's not happening. And so you go back and you say, Lord, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And you get, you, you get a word from God mm-hmm. and you say, okay, this, we're going to burn this thing and then we're going to get a word from God and we're going to pursue this. Mm-hmm. As long as the Lord keeps my hands on the plow in this ministry, we're going to pursue this. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to say, oh, look at the pretty birds or look at the squirrel. We're going to do what God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. Praise God that that brother's running his race. Mm-hmm. Praise God they're running a thousand. Call that brother mm-hmm. and say, man, I saw that. You guys had 30 baptisms last Sunday. Dude, praise the Lord. Can mm-hmm. I just can I ask the Lord to keep you pure mm-hmm. and uh, protect your heart? Because I know pride sets in when God gives us favor. And, and just those kinds of things. And, and, and ask the Lord to keep you on track with the things that matter to him. Mm-hmm. And he will. Mm-hmm. And then pursue those things. And, Man, and, and if you're in a tough spot, just understand, you just got to be faithful. Yep. You got to keep doing the things over, the right things over and over and over again. Yep. And understand it might be slow yep. and understand that you might not be what you thought it was going to be. But at the end of the day, when, when, you're, when we're all done running this race, we're going to stand before one judge, one God, and um, that's who we're accountable for. 
We're not accountable at the end of the day. Yes, we're under the authority in times of denominations and all that kind of stuff in some ways, the local church, of course. But at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God mm-hmm. and he and how we ran our race and what we did with the ministry he's asked us to do. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're going to give an account for. Yep. So I would say the guy who's listening, um, who's discouraged in a valley, get back to ascertaining the vision God has for your church mm-hmm. and spending time in prayer, fleshing out the things that that, you know, is God's will yep. and doing those things faithfully. That's good. Yeah, and and nothing can can cure um, lost momentum like just getting in the harvest as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not reaching people, um, don't sit around and throw a pity party party for yourself. Like, get out in the harvest and again persevere in it, right? And and I, and I think you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, Matt. Again, don't think though that like, okay, if I just go get in the harvest, then you know, God's going to do this, this, and this. Like, yeah. you know, like then we'll see you know, like, you know, all these baptisms happen because I can tell you from experience, it it might not, you might, you know, we've had periods where like where we are, um, it is not uncommon to not see anybody get saved for months. Even if you're in the harvest on a weekly basis and you are, you're always going out there and sharing, you know, like uh, there can be long periods of time where you don't even see anybody get saved and baptized. And so you've got to persevere yeah. and just, you know, remember the calling um, and continue to do, like you said, do the things that you know God has already commanded us to do, to, to walk by faith and trust him and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Well, man, that's such a good word. And I, mean, I know as we're working towards the finish line and we're talking about, you know, how to how to protect ourselves from being in those valleys. But yeah, you know, I'll start us off with that and then kind of let you speak into this too. But man, motives. Mm-hmm. Why do you why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You see, if if you go out to the harvest just because you, you want to do a bunch of baptisms, so people will say, Wow, that that a boy. Or look at that church. Your church is growing. Mm-hmm. You know, the if you if you are motivated by anything other than that, when you look at those people at, at the grocery store. And you know that when they leave this world, they're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And 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 you're and and that's the that's your sole motivation. It's not to grow your church. It's not to not to get a name for yourself. It's not to be in the history books of Christendom. It's because you are broken that they are separated from your God. You know, can I can I say something? Because I just have a feeling like there may be um I just have a feeling there's probably some church planters listening right now. And you know what I can tell you? You're probably going through a valley right now in your church. And God's probably letting it happen because he's waiting for you to die to yourself. Yeah. He's waiting for you to die to yourself because he's not going to bless that work when it's about you Mm. and when it's about your reputation and it's about, you know, you being able to say, look at how many people I'm baptizing. And so like what Matt just said is so, so important. Like, Really take some time to sit before the Lord and meditate and ask him, you know, Psalm 139, 20, 20, 23 and 24, mm. God, search my heart and see if there is any unclean way in me and really be honest with yourself and with God and let yeah. him do that because like there's a good chance that actually what's going on right now is that the valley you're going through is God's grace in your life because if God hated you, then he would just let you continue recklessly along your path of pride. Yeah. But God loves you and he's not going to let you do that. And so he's going to, he's, he's going to discipline us and he's going to, 
uh, rebuke us and bring us to our knees yeah. until we until we realize that like it's all about him and it's all yeah. about his glory and it's all about loving the people that he sent us to. It's not about us at all because uh, you know pride. You know pride is probably the greatest enemy mm. that we've got as church planters and leaders, especially like you said in this culture where we've built yeah. up like the celebrity pastor and where what's celebrated even within church planting circles right yeah you don't see like i still don't see very many stories being celebrated even in our tribe like the yeah. the stories that get celebrated man are the churches that are that are blowing up a lot of times you know and it's not the ones that you know you never heard of that are running that are running 50 people in a really hard place yeah but they're you know faithfully making disciples like you don't hear about those churches very yeah. much, man. So yeah, man. I I I think you know, motive is so important. Yep. It's just so important, man. Like, what? Sorry, guys. Why we do what we do and and how we operate. It's it's everything because like if you know, I remember I remember when I first started preaching, I was obsessed with communication and oration and like man i want to be the best orator ever i wanted to be man i just i wanted to grow and grow and get better and better and better and then you realize like man a lot of that's bathed in pride mm -hmm. you know a lot of that is you want people to walk away and say man that was a really he's a really good speaker yeah, and, and then you get to a point where you, god breaks your heart over that and you say no man i want people walking away and say that's a really good god Yep. You know, regardless of how that guy communicates. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I would just say, I think a lot of, the, to your point, I think a lot of the values we church planters find ourselves in is because God is taking us to the threshing floor. Yeah. He's pruning us. Yeah. Well, man, um, better wrap it up, but I did want to kind of close, and these will kind of be our, our marching orders um, mm. for our listeners. Just a couple of things. Uh, points on how you can protect yourself from getting rocked uh, by valleys like this, um, you know, because you will go through them. And so what can you do to protect yourself? So here's just a few like practical things. Number one, get a good coach who will help you manage expectations. Yeah. Somebody who's been there, somebody who can kind of foresee maybe some of the traps that you're going to walk into, who, could, who can speak in your life and then listen to them. Uh, and then, you know, uh, have a strong calling that you can cling to when things aren't going the way that you'd hoped. Uh, you know, you need to have a calling that's rooted in the word of God that's been affirmed by other people and you need to cling to it. And then assemble a massive army of prayer warriors around you. This is mm -hmm. war and the enemy is going to try to confuse you. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to get you to quit. He's going to try to get you to uh, make it about you, whatever he can do to disrupt uh, what God wants to do, uh, yeah. he will do it. And so you need to be absolutely prayed up uh, mm. at all times. And, you know, those are just absolutely critical things if you want to weather the storms that are just going to come in church planting. Yeah, going to come. absolutely. So, well, guys, uh, we want to thank you, our listeners, for listening to this week's episode. And we pray that it's been a blessing to you. And uh, if it has, then uh, we would appreciate it if you would uh, go onto iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher uh, and hit the subscribe button uh, there if you haven't already. And then leave us a rating, um, five-star ratings only, please. Uh, we would love for you to leave a rating and a written review, and that helps increase our exposure uh, so that we can get this podcast into the hands of more 
planters. And also, uh, don't forget to head on over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com. And we've got a weekly blog post that we put out, as well as links to all of the other episodes that we've done. Uh, the website is is new. Uh, and so if you haven't checked that out yet this year, definitely go and check it out. It's been updated uh, and it's much nicer than the old janky WordPress uh, kind of stuff that we had. Yeah. So anyways, guys, uh, we love you guys. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And as always, feel free to reach out to Matt or myself if you have any questions or uh, any comments or anything like that. We love interacting with you and you can jump on our website and, and, and go to the contact us tab at the top and you can uh, send us a message there. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. Church planners.